It was an accident. About an hour ago, a small jet went down inside New York City. The president was on board. President of what? That's not funny, Pliskin. You go in, find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. We're still at war, Pliskin. We need him alive. I don't give a fuck about your war. Or your president. Is that your answer? I'm thinking about it. Think hard. Why me? You flew the Gulf Fire over Leningrad. You know how to get in quiet. You're all I've got. I guess I go in one way or the other. Doesn't mean shit to me. Give me the paper. When you come out? Before. I told you I wasn't a fool, this guy. Call me Snake. And welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks Podcast. I'm joined once again by the usual cast of characters, plus a special guest villain. First of all, the evil genius, the keeper of the inner sanctum, the numbers guy, Keith of Keith's Comics. Keith, how are you? Good. Why do we always have to be villains? Can we be heroes every now and then? I'm the hero of the piece, and you're all villains. I'm sorry. We've established this from the jump. Villains are heroes in their own minds, so I'm a hero. Fuck you. Yeah, that's selling your point. Okay. (laughs) And of course, the dirty old geek, the man who's always wrong, the pictures guy, Brian needs one. Brian, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm eating donuts and all sugared up, so <laughs> we're, we're in good shape. And of course, our special guest villain, the notorious intergalactic bounty hunter and our returning champion, Dr. Rich needs one. Dr. Rich, how are you? Outstanding. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I was expecting something. Okay. Well, I, of course, am the world's <laughs> oldest kid sidekick. I am the words guy. My name is Lance, and the president's dead. Somebody had it for dinner. Welcome to another issue. So, uh, Brian, you got some news for us this week? I do. I do. Marvel had a weird thing where they entered into an exclusive agreement that they pulled off their website hours later. Well, it's on. It's on. You can find it on a different part of the website. But I, but I sent you. I, I end up finding it on their website. Oh, too. so you just sent me a shitty link. It was a link that worked for me when I first read it, but evidently not for you, yes. Keith's technical aptitude aside, what was the significance of this? That they're going to license out their comics and graphic novels to somebody else to print. They're gonna be, yeah, they're going to be distributing their comics through Random House Penguin, I think. Yeah. And uh, Diamond's now going to become a wholesaler, so... No one knows. They, they have not contacted us and let us know what the fuck that means, but it means that Diamond will not be carrying... Marvel. It'll be carrying Marvel, but the discount system's going to be different. We don't know if we're going to have them on times, replacements, all that stuff, all up in the air. Same with uh, Random House. No one knows if they're going to... how they're going to handle uh, shortages, damages, all this other stuff. So and if they're going to offer terms, it's going to hurt a lot of comic stores if they don't. If they don't keep up the same thing we have with Diamond, it's going to hurt a lot of comic shops. Which, which, are, which are already doing so great. 
Yeah, we've lost, I don't know how many through COVID. I think we've lost almost a third of them or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so, um, so it'll yeah. either go well or it won't. Um, no notable deaths this week. Um, Thank God. Yeah, so that was a good thing. Um, if you uh, if you Google comic creators' birthdays, because I thought instead of doing deaths, I would do birthdays. Oh, okay. Uh, if you Google that, then Siri just laughs at you and humiliates <laughs> you for a few minutes and then hangs up. Calls you a nerd. <laughs> she just laughs and humiliates you. So I don't have any birthdays. Uh, <laughs> Nobody was born. Great segment, Brian. <laughs> we, we may have to we may have to go with that. Did you uh, but there was a few trailers that dropped. They dropped the uh, non-Red Band trailer or the uh, Proof for All Audiences trailer for Suicide Squad. Which is not as good as the Red Band trailer. No. I actually all. liked it. I liked it more. You get to see Nathan Fillion's power, which oh, is okay. funny as shit. There is two different versions. And that kind of... I, <laughs> No, what I mean is like the the, uh, the line that Idris Elba says in the theater when she's asking if anybody has any questions is for fuck's sake. Yeah. And in the Green Band trailer, he says for God's sake. Oh, dude, I'm sure they're shooting everything for a T. You know, like they they don't dub anymore. They shoot everything twice and take out all the swears so they can have a TV release. Oh, yeah. So I just thought that that was a little odd. But seeing Nathan Fillion's powers, you get to see a little more of the Weasel. The way he walks. A little more of the rat catcher, which is becoming an intriguing character. I think that Idris Elba is probably going to be the breakout on this, because he looks fucking great. And he's, uh, and he's whoever, good at anything, dude. Right. And whoever's playing the rat catcher. I can't remember her name. but I need to do it. She, I think her and, and the Polka Dot Man seem like they have the potential of having significant screen time that, in I this movie. I think Polka Dot Man's going to die. Nathan Philly, I think, is going to die. <laughs> what?! I'm always wrong, but uh, those are the, I, I just feel, well, he may not because he wants to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he, he just wants to die through the whole thing. But the the whole fucking speech about peace, and I would kill every man, woman, and child in order to get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. We also had the uh, Batman Long Halloween trailer drop. So now we had the Superman, which we watched and reviewed uh, quite successfully, I thought. Mm-hmm. But that same animation style is carrying through to the Justice Society, which is the one I am so fucking excited about. I'm pumped about. for that one myself. Yeah. And also, uh, that's the style that they're doing Long Halloween in. So it's that same animation yeah. style that now is... is... I gotta, and I gotta get used to it because I, I hated it yeah, in I know. the Superman thing. I know. And there were parts where it really bothered me. Uh, and then parts... There's parts where it looks like a motion comic. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this isn't what I fucking signed up for, you bastards. I'm watching it for free on a paid service, but... Uh, also, so a sneak peek for uh, Hawkeye. That series. Oh, that's the. They did a sneak peek on that with uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Oh, I didn't see that from the TV show. Yeah, it's great. They talk about all the things they have in common. Jeremy Renner's like, I like music. And she goes, I like music. And she goes, I like acting. And he goes, I like acting. And then they stand for a minute, and Jeremy Renner goes, We both drink water. Found a couple birthdays too. Huh? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Smart ass. April fifth is one of your Fuck. favorites. Arthur Adams' birthday was April. 5th. Oh, happy birthday! Did you wish him a happy birthday? No. Chuck Dixon's is coming up the fourteenth. Oh. Uh, and uh, long past uh, great Gil Kane's was on the sixth. Rest in peace, Gil. Yes. There's not a lot John more. John Romita, you died, but John Romita pissed at you. 
<laughs> it happens. Yeah. So, so that's it. Uh, some some exciting trailers. Some uh, a little sneak peek in there. Uh, good stuff. No comic news. All right. So for this edition of the world famous Three Old Geeks Top Three list, in keeping with the uh, the cult film we've watched this week, with fifteen minutes on the timer. Gentlemen, what are your top three Kurt Russell moments in film? And go. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, number three as the uh, the speech in Miracle. His, uh, he plays the coach. Oh, yeah, and yes. for the U.S. Uh, yeah, hockey team. Oh, yeah. that, that speech when they go, before they go out to, to do the uh, Russians. Well, they don't do the Russians. They play against <laughs> After the they won, they did yeah, well, because they were little bitches. They made them to the little bitches, yeah. That's what I was going with. Um, but that speech, and I wish I could remember, and I will remember the entire fucking thing when I walk out I of here. I can cut it in here or whatever. Yeah, just throw some shit in there so that it sounds good. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Uh, But that speech is cool. I love that as a Kurt Russell moment. Okay. Okay. I'm going to continue on uh, with uh, Miracle. uh, And after they beat Russia... And he, you could just tell he's so jacked up. And when he has to go and separate himself and he goes into the hallway and he just kneels down and just breaks down. It just, to me, that was, if you've ever had something that you've worked so hard for and you put what he put those players through and then it came to, and you just, that's the only thing you can do is have that emotional burst and I love the fact that he separated himself just to kind of go through that. I, I love that scene. I thought that was great. Good choice. I'll go with my number three, which would be from Tango and Cash. You guys go with this really cool, uplifting moments. I, I don't. Uh, uh, when he's up on the rooftop with uh, Brian James, the bad guy, Ponytail, and he's just yelling at uh, Stallone, I ain't going through with it. You know, he did the whole... Good cop thing to him. I, I just love his emotion and projection through that. And you're like, that, that, that's just one of those cool little scenes. I, I don't have all the deep things. So give me your oh, deep my, Oh, mine is not going to be deep at all because he's in three of my favorite movies and they are not deep movies at all. I mean, like, okay, so to take any scene out of Tombstone when he is playing Wyatt Earp, even though Cabal Kilmer's better, but he is an awesome Wyatt Earp, I'm pretty sure... My favorite scene is when uh, Ike Clanton is going to ambush his brothers on the train, and he uh, and he they, they he, he kills the two guys, and then he of course goes, oh, "I'm not going to, you know, I surrender, I surrender," and he takes the spur of his boot and he cuts him in the face, and he's like, "All right, Clanton, you called down the thunder, well now you got it. You see that? It's 
says United States Marshal. What? Please don't kill me. Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash. I kill a man wearing it. So run, you curse. Run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming. And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me. That's a fucking awesome yeah. scene. That yes. was my number one scene. <laughs> it's a little lower on my list. Okay. So, yay. Okay, so number two for me. It really is a behind-the-scenes moment more than a moment in the film. But it's a moment in the film. Uh, in Hateful Eight, there's a, a moment where Kurt Russell grabs the guitar that uh, it's Jennifer Jason Lee is playing, and he smashes it against the post. Uh, that was a great and beautiful moment of improv from Kurt Russell, who decided to do that. Spur of the moment, while they're filming, it's great. Because it's a copy of the guitar. It's not a copy of the guitar. <laughs> it, was, it was a guitar. It was like a thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollar guitar. Oh my god! It was a one of a kind. Like he had no idea. Oh he my thought it god. was a copy, so he thought it would be great in the scene, just to spur of the moment, grab it and smash it. Her reaction is real because she knows what the guitar is. Oh my god. So her reaction on the, in that shot is, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and, and Quentin had to pay for it. But uh, it was still, it was one of those guitars that had been passed down for 200 years oh, and was somebody's grandfather's, and he just smashed <laughs> the shit out of it. So that, to me, that was one of my favorite Kurt Russell moments. Wow. Uh, for me, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, when he is taking Peter Quill... And going through like what he is, and you see the scenes changing, yeah. and then he gets to the point when he says, and then I felt bad about having to put that tumor in your mother's head. And then Peter Quill comes out of his trance and just starts blowing him away, and his response is, who the hell do you think you are? It was just him being, I just thought it was just kind of him. And then when he responds, I just love when he does that in, in movies. I, I thought that was very Kurt Russell. Uh, my number two would be from a little movie that nobody likes, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, it's, I have a feeling this is going to be my number one. but Good, it's about time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's probably not. I, I I just love his speech at the end when he's on when he when he does the whole. Uh, you probably know the, the line by heart. I did have it written down, but uh, when he's talking about it on a rainy night, if, you know, and as he's driving off with the monster on there. You just listen to the old pork chop express here now and take his advice on a dark and stormy night when the lightning's crashing and the thunder's rolling and the rain's coming down and sheets thick as lead. Just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earth quakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. Actually, that's... Uh, anyways. But, um, okay, so um, 
my other my second favorite Kurt Russell moment comes from and again name name a moment from uh Escape from New York and we'll talk about that a little bit later but um in rewatching it I actually my favorite part of it is at the very end where he can conf- like the president's getting all cleaned up so we can go yes. on TV and he's just looking at me smoking a cigarette and he goes you know a lot of people a lot of people died so you can, you know, you can have all this or whatever. And, and he's like, well, and, and Tunnel Puzzles is just the most arrogant bastard. Like, well, yeah. I'm thankful for their sacrifice, too. Yeah. And he goes back to shaving. And he was, and I read he was shaving. actually supposed to flick the cigarette at the president, but he's like, he, he didn't want to hurt Donald Pleasant. Right. So that's why he, but then he walks away and then the, the, the president plays the tape and it's the Benny, the Benny Goodman and he's yeah. pulling the yeah. fucking secret fusion tape apart or whatever. I just thought that was the, I, that was the ultimate. I have no fucks. Yeah, I left to you. give moment. Like that is how cool Snake Plissken is. He he could care less. And I uh, thank God for Kurt Russell in that scene because that is probably the worst ever getting somebody ready for camera scene I have ever seen in a film or on TV. Wow, that is fucking horrible. Did you watch him trying to shave him? Oh yeah, it was like watching a retarded monkey trying to shave. Well, no, a and camel. that's the other thing is like. <laughs> He's well, like he sitting there, like his, and plus it's just like as calm as possible. He had one of his fingers caught yeah. up. Right. You think he'd be kind of like, or maybe they had on painkillers? I don't know, but it was like, dude, come on. I don't think there's a professional barber either. I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was, no. it was like, it, just they're, they're, like, it's a penal, it's a penitentiary, so it's just the bob with the razor over there. Here, do the president. Uh, you know what? Yeah, they use dull razors so that the. Fucking inmates can't get. No, it was horrible. I just, it was like watching somebody shave somebody with a putty knife, and then <laughs> he just kept putting more shaving cream on half his face. Isn't That's that fine. how you do it? Uh, so my number one. Dun, 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 dun. It's a little cheap. I'm gonna agree with you guys, and you guys are gonna go, "Oh, you fucker!" But I am just gonna say, Tombstone. <laughs> the fucking movie. The entire movie. Just the movie Tombstone. Oh yeah, he is easily the best Wyatt Earp that's ever been done, and he is so good in this. He got movie. the yes. great lines and the great oh, scenes. God, yeah. and bringing hell with me, and it just I yeah. my my yeah. my backup to that was the no. Oh, that's shut yeah. up! Now, now you just stole my other number one. Okay, <laughs> you want to just do another one? Okay. I, I had to replace my number one with something. Well, you could replace it again, pal. You're you're good at thinking on your feet. <laughs> you just you just did like a delayed lance. You did. That's what you just did right just there. Just did a double. You did, did a double he, without he's, even he's, realizing. He's, that. He's, he's got his number one yet. So he's, <laughs> he's gonna have two. Oh, go Rich. Go Rich. Uh, you know, I I uh, <coughs> I, I, I had a hard time because I did the exact same thing that you just did, and I said, "Big Trouble in Little China." But if I had to, uh, you know, I, I liked Backdraft. I, I don't think yes. a lot of people really did. Yes. Oh, wow. I but did. I didn't, I didn't even think, think of that. It. My yeah. God. But I yes. I really liked the movie. It, yes. It's got a great cast. It's it's exciting. and It's a great Chicago. Like every, it's a great, you, it yes. really felt like Chicago firemen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there was nobody like, oh, dude, he's a big Hollywood actor. They, you know, weren't, they weren't overweight enough. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't no sausage. There was yeah. no donuts. There was no sausage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I would just say, you know, the the last scene when uh, they confront, uh, you know, the firefighter who was the villain and um, Scott Glenn and, um, sorry, spoiler, spoiler. Um, Anything over, what, 50 years yeah, old? Yeah, we yeah we're, we're not doing it. So, uh, but when he dies, I thought, uh, I thought that 
you know, that was a great scene. But there's, in that whole, he's just kind of a badass older brother, always in conflict with his younger brother. Um, when they're running up the stairs, and he's just like, run, damn it! It's, it's, I just thought he did a great job in it. Yeah. Okay, Keith. Great okay, film. Okay, great now film. I gotta, what won't Lance say? Um... <laughs> Doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. We're at number one. Okay, yeah, I know. But he's got his number one coming up, so I... Oh. Okay, let's put this way. He took my two number one, so... Mine, um... is from, mine is Big Trouble in Little China, so if you want to steal something from Big Trouble in Little China, I can backpedal and pick something no, else. No, that's okay. I'll go from uh, the movie Breakdown. Because you ain't get nothing from that. No, I do not. Okay, see. You started out with Tango and Cash. Come on. I know. <laughs> I, both my other were Tombstone, because he's great all throughout yeah. Tombstone. And like I said, both of them, like, after he picked my one, I had to switch to another one. And then he goes and mentions that one. So um, I'll go when uh, when he finally confronts D.B. Not D.B. Sweeney. What tells um I can't remember the actor's name. Um, but anyway, and he actually gets him in his truck. And he tapes his neck to the seat, and he just starts gunning the car, and then slamming on the brakes, so it's choking him every time. And he's like, where's my wife? And he just keeps on doing that. It's just a badass, you know, this is a guy who got thrown into this. He's not a... Not J.T. A Walsh? Yes, I thank you. And it just uh, starts taking him out. And it's just kind of, I'm mean, not taking him out, but just just keeps on choking him with the, using the car, because he can't That's overpower cool. him. Yeah. It's, it's actually a really good movie. It's about about a guy whose wife gets kidnapped because they think he has money, and uh, it's him trying to get her back the whole time. Yeah, we talked about that one before. It's a good, it, 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 it's pretty good. So, okay, go ahead. Well, I I actually could steal Rich's answer and just say that's yeah, Big Trouble in Little China because it's like oh, yeah. my favorite cult movie of all time. It probably my top five movies of all time. But to sum up, like the whole character of Jack Burton. Is uh, when they're about to enter the the, the quote unquote underworld underneath San Francisco, and what's down there? You know, where's the you know, where's the universe? What, everything's down there. You know what? What are you afraid? <laughs> of course not. And then he turns, and then he gets this look at his face like, "What the fuck am I getting into?" That sums up Jack Burton. That's what makes Kurt Russell great. And uh, well, he can play anything. He, he really, he really can. He's super yeah. versatile. And Brian, you've made it up uh, mentions a number of times. He started out being a Disney kid, yeah, kicking you, Elvis in the shins. You know, well, we'll talk about it more on Escape from New York. But the amount of yeah, press like that that, that got at the time, yeah, was amazing. That was kind of his introduction to adult films. Yeah, well, no, and he he films, played uh, older people films. He played El- uh, John Carper directed a TV movie about Elvis's Elvis, life story. Yeah, he played yeah. Elvis, so yeah. that's that's where they actually started their relationship. And I mean, he him and Carpenter are buddies now and stuff like that. Oh, so. my top assume. films. I would assume. Minute left. Anything further what? to say? I to add on to Big Trouble in China okay. to sum up his character when he refuses to kiss her at the end. And oh. the girl <laughs> and the girl is just like, "Aren't you gonna kiss her?" And nah. he's just like. Nah. And he leaves. Yeah. Kim Cattrall. So you're on, Burton. That was a that was a fucking awesome exchange. Well that no horseshit wang. No horseshit, Jackie. <laughs> we shook the foundations of well, we shook the pillars of heaven. We really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? No horseshit, Jack. No horseshit, Wang. I I'm just I'm not I I could I what love, part I, of the what part of that movie do you want me to play, dude? I love it's all in the reflexes. Hey, I was looking at some of his seasons. I don't know. Did you guys ever see the mean season? 
came out in the I early think 80s. Yeah, he's a reporter. Or yeah, he's a yeah. reporter, yeah. and there's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. And he know. gets, and the serial killer ends up calling him, telling him he's going to keep most of his movies. But I, thought, I, I remember seeing that as a kid. I, it was he. I just remember he's got 100 it. credits on on IMDb. Oh, dude, he's got great movies. That's uh, that's like a porn star. Oh no, and he's, like and he's, he's one of those guys that won't. He 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 always takes. He's always interest. Like the roles he takes are always interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's always good. What's I, really interesting about him is, no, right? Keep going. No, it's okay. His dad dad started up the Washington uh, Mavericks up in baseball team up in yes Washington. There's a there's a documentary. Yeah, he, and he used to play ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, baseball. He's staying out with all those guys. So yeah, really. That's our top three Kurt Russell moments. Let us know what yours are. All right, so we've decided on a new segment for the program, and uh, the three old geeks are joining a cult of film. Uh, no, we had so much fun talking about uh, We had found that top 50 list that was a couple years old. Uh, God, that was back in uh, February last year, almost a year ago this time, uh, that we just, we just came across a list on the ringer.com, which we will be referencing for the next 50 episodes for the next year, of a list of top 50 cult films. We, oh, we're going to do some lead-in music for this? <laughs> all right, cool. I it's was all, doing this it. Is all, this is all we can afford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, uh, no, we found a top 50 list of cult films on TheRinger.com, and we're going to go backwards from 50 all the way down to one, and number 50 on The Ringer's top uh, list of cult films is one of uh, my personal all-time faves, and I know probably one of the, everybody here, yes. from 19... 81. 40 years ago. 40 years 40 year ago. 40-year-old movie. God, I can't 40 years ago. From 1981, John Carpenter directed, written by John Carpenter and Nick Castle, starring Kurt Russell and Lee Van Cleef, Escape from New York. You know what I'm hoping? What are you hoping? As we start this new uh, journey, that Escape from L.A. is not on. <laughs> Escape from L.A. is not. I've already looked. Well, spoiler alert, Escape from L.A. is not on here. <laughs> to me, it's bullshit. This is so far down the list, actually. I, I'm surprised it's 50. You know what? I'm excited to see what, what what's but coming he, up. Yeah, yeah, if this is the number 50, yeah. Yeah, holy fuck. Yeah. Now, there's, and there's some movies on there that I know I've personally never seen. But, man, uh, talk about a good way to start a new segment. One of the great post-apocalyptic films of all time. One of the great characters of all time. Let's build a wall <laughs> around. New way York. to make it. Way to make it uh, relevant to today's day and age. But yes, <laughs> not really. But in 1988, the crime level rises by 400 percent, and they decide to make Manhattan Island in New York a super prison. It's almost that way already. I um. Have you seen the real estate prices in Manhattan, dude? Yeah, it's purely criminal. There you go. Ah! A dad joke that was actually good. Wow, Keith, you're on your game today. (laughs) (laughs) Your dad joke game is strong. (laughs) I've been working out. I'm taking notes. (laughs) So, uh, obviously a a favorite of mine, a favorite of everybody sitting at the table, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was... You know what? It was funny to see how cheaply they did it. Which which was interesting to me. I, it wasn't bad. I'm not saying that in a bad way. What I am saying is is that there was a lot of like when they're going down the bridge, 
It was oh, yeah. like in Batman, yeah, the TV yeah. series. Everything else is black. Yeah. <laughs> There's no... It's 1980s technology at its best. Well, that... Yeah. Okay, so one of the points that... Uh, just from reading everything there is about this film, the opening se- segment where they're doing like the night vision with the wireframe in the computer. Uh-huh. The wireframe computer is not a computer. It's practical effects. They literally put fluorescent tape on models of buildings... Oh, because it was like literally cheaper to do that than it was at the time to have, you know, Lucasfilm's wireframe guys like they used up for the Death Star or whatever. It was cheaper to do that than to hire those guys. Wow. Whoever played the, um, the, the Frankenstein, oddly, Bride of Frankenstein, effeminate. Yeah. You know, when I first saw saw him, he walked up and I go, wait, I didn't know, uh. Steve Buscemi was in this movie. <laughs> I went, holy shit! And I had to look it up. I'm like, no, it's not. But when he first comes into frame and to, to you know tell them that they have the president and everything, I'm like, that's fucking Steve Buscemi. Uh, he was so good. He really yeah, was. He was. He's he actually was. one of the guys that makes that movie. So underrated. You Frank, don't uh, something. Yeah, I'm looking it up. You guys talk. What's the does it? What's the budget? Because it's a John Carpenter film. I mean, I don't know that he had That's really is, ever... Yeah. Okay, well, let's see. He never had big budgets. $6 million budget in 1981. Made $25 million. Uh, the... La, 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 la. Is it... Was he Romero? Yeah. yeah. Frank Doubleday is the Frank actor. Frank Doubleday, That's it. I knew it was Frank something. And he's a buddy of Carpenter because he's in a bunch of his movies. Well, everyone's in a bunch of movies. They have... Um... The old drunk is the guy from They Live. Oh, dude, that guy's an old drunk in like everything. I know, but he's, he did, he's been in at least a couple, two, three Carpenter films. That's uh, he, pretty loyal to the yes, Yeah, that's Adrian exactly Barbeau. what he does. All right, Jerome Barbeau, Lee Van Cleef. Pleasant. Who he was humping. Ernest Bornine? No, at the time, and I remember this, and I wanted to look to make sure that I got the date, but I remember Kurt Russell was dating Season Hubley. Yes, yes, and that's why she was written in the movie. Yep. And she had that nice, small little... That little bump, and then she gets sucked into the floor uh, day of the next time. It was a good scene. Uh, but it was interesting to see what they did with with such a minimal... And I love the, the when they're fucking watching all the radar. All the radar. Like when the plane's flying in and he's looking at the screen. Nose view. Yeah. 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 Down view. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder how much science fiction, like films like this, have had... An influence on technology of today, you know, it could be great. The Star, yeah. Trek, Star Trek effect, yeah. The Star Trek effect. There's so many cool little scenes. The glider scene, where he's flying around New York. Just that that is so that was so cool. There's so much about the film that holds up. Well, yeah, practical effects. You used to not do miniature work. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was pra- all practical effects. Yeah, so it yeah. was all miniature work. The glider scene. Does did anybody have a? The whole point was to go in and land on top of the World Trade Towers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was so low flying through the city. Is it yeah. because he didn't want any... Because the whole point was no one's going to be able yeah, to see yeah. you. Yeah, well, then he, he needed low. to be a lot higher. Uh, here, you know where I saw Because I don't the know problem. that he and could go up... No, what it made the, sense to me was that if he was flying in at the height... There is no way there was enough room on top of the World Trade Center for the speed he would have been going. The only way to cut down on the speed was to go up. Okay. So he had to come down, and he had to come up, and when he came up at the app, he would be going as slow 
Okay. Check out the physics on Brian. I, you know what? I was watching it going, why is he so fucking low? Yeah. And then it struck me, that's the only way to slow it down. Yeah. Or if and I didn't know that he would have enough to get up. I mean, the, I the, yeah. the World Trade Tower. That's Kurt Russell. He can get it up anytime he wants. You're so There's right. An There's an updraft between those two. <laughs> you know what I did? It was funny. I was watching, and the only part that really bothered me was, uh, God, I hate that snake on his belly. The snake on his belly. That's bad. Put it on his back. I actually thought that was the. I thought that was like the fucking. When I was a kid, I thought that was the cool. I, I wanted literally want. I tattoo. wanted to get a tattoo like that. When you I know was what a I'm going to tell you about belly tattoos? That's the only one that hurt me. <laughs> that is the only. And one as a guy who has no thank you for ribs? that information. I hear the ribs are the worst. Uh, I got one around my nipple, so that's close. <laughs> that's not your ribs. That's actually the most fleshy part there, around your ribs. Wasn't at the time. <laughs> well, now it's really fleshy. It has a- officially Adrian gone Bar- off the rails. <laughs> Adrian Barbosa and going and and of course uh, activating the Thrill Geeks uh, podcast catchword. Anyways, um, I uh, Adrian Barbo looked great in this. She did. I'm just gonna oh, say. Oh, when didn't she look great? Give me a movie where she looked horrible. Um, Creepshow. Well, she get. Killed in creature. Yeah, yeah, she does, but she didn't look great. Okay. And this one, she looks sexy. As shit. I mean, her tits were hanging out the entire movie. Which, by the way, I was a fan of. But. No! Snake Plissken is one of the great cinematic anti hero, which, which the 80s were huge on. Uh, he's got to be in the top five, dude, as far as, as far as 80s. Taciturn, you know, anti-hero. Yeah. He's got to be in the top five, dude. I remember when that film came out. Starlog was uh, was huge. Yeah. Uh, Cinefax. Um, there were a few different magazines. And it was all about Kurt Russell. Uh, new direction for Kurt Russell. And it yeah. was the, the Disney kid is going to take on this uh, adult role. And, uh, and, yeah, he played Elvis beforehand. But... Um, this was was huge for Kurt Russell, and the film got so much hype. And it's actually one of the films that lived up to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a lot of of just cheap, but the Duke of New York ain't number one. Yeah. Duke of New York. Ernest Borgnine was great. He was so good in Gabby, this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and what a sad little ending. Yeah. He's the only one who's killed, and not anyone else is scratched. Brain, brain. Gets blowed up. Oh, brain gets blown up. But from the cab. But uh, he had the map to the bombs. Which can oh. someone explain how we got the map back? The guy made a map as he was going out there. Got shot at the wall. How did the map get back to anybody? Uh, they found it on his body. They bribed a guard and they. How'd they get out there if they don't know know where the bombs are? You and your legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> he figured it out. That, that was, was one thing. But that it was blew back. that it scene when they're in the car and he goes. I, I can't remember exactly. He says, I think you go right. And Adrian Barbeau says, you think? <laughs> and the way she did that, I just immediately marked down Glee. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that right there. Yeah. That line was outstanding. And how she just, once he died. Yes. And I loved Isaac. I thought her, Isaac Hayes, and Ernest Borgnine were so good in this. Yes. Oh, and and no, and the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. He was. He had small little clippets. Frank oh. Doubleday. He made the most of every minute oh, yeah. he was yeah. on. He was one of those secondary guys who's like, oh, you're going to give me a, a couple lines? 
you're going to remember my ass. Oh, God, when he would yeah. stop and flip. And yeah. Who yeah, he was almost like a, it was almost like he was like a drag queen yes. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He was effeminate, but uh, he was hot. What I really did not like, I did not like, and I, I usually like him, is Donald Pleasance. I hated the way they did the president. I hated his the way that he did it. And then certain things that he did, I just thought was stupid. Like when Snake Plissken is getting, coming up at the end, and he's the one who stops the crane and then takes a machine gun and shoots the Duke. He needed the bait for Duke to come after. But, you know, he's not flying up that much where he's not going to try and come up after him. And I thought the same exact thing. I mean, that, that, other... that's what struck to me is it stopped him. So if he gets all the way up, Duke has no reason to come after him. He knows he's not going to get up. And yeah. I, I thought that, too. I just did not like. I just did, oh, there was no I thought... reason to like him, especially at the end when you they didn't right. want you to like him. No. Well, no, and the... Uh, now I and I'm I couldn't be remembering this wrong. I thought Donald Pleasance was an actual POW in World War Two, and at bare minimum he said like in the the middle parts he was playing the president like a POW, either that he he had known or I, I, experienced or something like that or whatever. So that there was kind of like that that uh, yeah, but he should have been even more like shook up than he was. I mean, he got his finger cut off. That, that, that's, that, the that's the one thing people, is like, yeah. Especially a politician who's been probably pampered and everything. To have a finger cut off, yeah. that would put you in shock. Yeah, that, that's well, to me. he had like what? a whole day. <laughs> and they wrapped it up. Fuck, get over it. Jesus Christ, it's a finger. Rub a little dirt on it. What the hell? God. He lost his ring, too. You guys act like you never. Do they give you a ring for being the president? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Do you get a president it's ring. It's like a class ring. Oh, I know. It looked like a class ring. I went, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, an English guy wrote this. Uh, I like the... Is that what he gives a stamp of approval? I give the presidential the stamp of approval. <laughs> Just a little trivia. When do you think CDs came out? Because this was all video tape cassettes. Oh. Uh, I know that Born in the USA was the first CD mass produced. Um, Late 80s? It had to be the late 80s. 19... I would have been... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to say 85, 84, 1982, the year after this movie was released. <laughs> really? They had CDs. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know what made me giggle is, is how big everything was. Like, he <laughs> the... gets... Here's the... Here's the... Uh, the this the, is the, your... Uh, your, your timer. Your yeah. timer. And it's fucking huge. Dude. And I'm looking at it going... And here's the... You can't even move his wrist. Presidential... Uh, here's your button. It, it looks yeah, like Yeah, here's your tracker button with a huge buckle. fucking eagle. Yeah, it's a belt buckle with an eagle. <laughs> but he's the only one who knew the <laughs> secret the latch, latch was there. No one else would know about the latch. Really? Uh, seriously? And then the... Uh, no, I knew you were saying like Chad Everett's on the rate on the uh, the field telephone. Like it's an old World War II one. It's like yeah, the size yeah. bigger than his head. Yeah. And this is supposed to be 1997. And you know what was the most <laughs> unbelievable part to me? When he's standing in the basement of the building and he pulls out the walkie-talkie and he starts talking, I was like, he'd never get reception. <laughs> never. <laughs> but that 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 piece of shit thing, he, he climbs up the wall and it falls out. It just breaks all over. I'm like, this is supposed to be military grade. Are you kidding me? What kind of shit is that? <laughs> there was a lot of, yeah, the running in the building part. I was like... Why don't you just run on top of the building and then you can kind of get an overview? But no, he kept going up and down and in and out through windows. I was like, seriously? This is like tag. <laughs> All right, go see. I can't. I liked Isaac Hayes as the Duke. He always had a thousand people around him. Not a thousand, that's a little bit. Okay, so he had like 20 people around him. 
what where did they all go because all of a sudden he was in his souped up with the, the chandeliers and he's crying and now he is it it's just him he's alone he's like everybody just stop i'm gonna i'm gonna cross the bridge by myself I don't need Brain anybody took the else. President. Brain took, okay. That's right. And everyone rushes out, and then it's just him. And then it's just him, and he gets blown away. No, a lot of people got killed um, just running through. Like, the the battle with the steam, and the there were people dying left and right. Every single person, so that yeah. when he got to the car, it, it was, was just, just going to be him. Mano y mano. Mano y mano. I got to bring up the one the one point of this movie that always bugs me. Oh. Is the car that they got to the World Trade Center in. Uh-huh. You know, they stop, they park it, they go up to the top, they realize the, the, the crazy feral guys had knocked off the thing, so they go back down to the car. And they try to start it, it doesn't start, and they go to pop the hood to see what's wrong, and the fucking guy pops out. Yeah. How the fuck did they move a fu- in, in the time that they were on top of the thing, how the fuck did they get the fucking engine out of there? The 20 guys that are on the Duke. See, the problem was, and the reason no, that, that they that, weren't that, there is they were carrying the engine across the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That part, ever since I was a kid and I they, saw this at 11 years old, bugged never. the shit out of me yeah. the entire time. You know what? That uh, I didn't even. I didn't even. No, and that was the engine of the. Even... Was that the engine of the car that was standing? And again, you could do the whole. Oh, this is like a. Uh, it's an old British car where the engine is in the back. Well, that, and that's what I was gonna say. It's like, oh, they when they jury rigged it, they put the engine in the back or something like that. But it just it it, it was one of those OC, the fucking with Lance's you know, OCD but, right there. Don't but, fuck you know with cars, guys. Me? If you don't want to piss off Lance, don't fuck with cars. What fucked with me is the guy's there, right, with the crossbow. So then. Isaac comes and he shoots and there's the steam and they run out and the lid's closed. Where did the guy go? I thought the exact. Yeah. I even wrote that down. Like, wait a minute, the dude had a, he was right there. He had a did he go on. and walk back with the with the guys? Like, why would he do that? He would stay right there so that they couldn't get away. Yeah. No. And then they but they closed the trunk and that so that was the flaw in yeah. the crossbow guy's plan. Yeah. Was oh my god they can close it what? Yeah. <laughs> Because they could do that while he's got a crossbow on him. So that, yeah, that bothered me. Cabby's death bothered me. That was a little sadness. Ernest Borgnine did such a good job. He was great. But you, oh, you're being a little hard on her. You're pushing her too far. You don't want to go down there. No, he was like the the guy who'd been driving, obviously been driving a cab since before this was a prison. Had some affection for his car. Had some affection yes. for New York still. Yeah. Had kept it running and for he, 30 years. Exactly. Had, and was and was a, a, kind of a simple man. Type, yes. You know, and, and he really did a good job of that coming and in. Everyone knew him. And everybody yeah. knew him. Everybody knew him. I thought when the guy had the hat on, Cabby's hat, yeah. that they'd killed him. And, uh, and Oh, and, no, he tried. No, no, he, he took the cassette. Yes. It made uh, Even the first time I went, oh, he got the cassette. He traded for the cassette because Cabby's got a cassette player. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna try out a seg- part of the segment here. Okay. For this, for, for we'll we'll see how this goes. Did you have a favorite line or scene from the film, Brian? Oh, cult quotes. Awesome. Cult with quotes. My, cult quotes. Uh, I'm playing with myself. I'm going in. <laughs> I just love that. Wait, wait, which movie was that from? You were watching. <laughs> Is that one eyed monster? Rich, did you have a favorite scene or line from the movie? Uh, Snake, you gonna kill me now? I'm too tired. Maybe later. <laughs> As he's walking away at the end. I love yeah. it. Keith? I don't have an exact quote, but I love the scene. Being a Chicago guy, I love the scene with Ox Baker in the, the, 
bad. Ox Baker was bad. The, the battle of death because Ox Baker used to fight Dick the Bruiser and Crusher. Ox Baker for the uninitiated was a pro wrestler eight, from yeah. the nineteen seventies, fifties through the seventies. Yes, famous for the the lethal heart punch, punch. maneuver. Yes, exactly. wow. And he used to be on the uh, Chicago. He used to be on the Chicago when we were yeah, growing yeah. up. The Chicago wrestling. Yes. Yeah, so program. I mean, uh, I don't. It's not really a quote. It's just I like that old battle scene. And he is. And when a, he puts the spikes in his head and just yes. look on Ox Baker's face it's like guy never acted before i don't think and that was probably the best yeah. i i love a good reference to something that happened in the past and you don't necessarily know what happened but you remember kansas city you mean fresno bob you remember what they did to fresno bob i love that line i love that line <laughs> Um, All right, boys. You reminded me of the uh, Kids in the Hall. Did you ever watch Kids in the Hall? No. The Cincinnati Kid? <laughs> you got to watch Kids okay, in the Hall. Okay, now I got to watch it. You got to watch it. I've yeah. seen the movie. But does that I've seen this. I love the movie Cincinnati Kid. All right, boys. For our first uh, cult film review, what was the uh, what was the star rating on this one? Five. 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 Five star film all around. Let us know what you think. Alright, so for our newest segment, a movie that people also watched, we watched, well, <laughs> uh, the 1988 classic, and I'm using the air quotes, uh, Hobgoblins. I don't know who these people are. I want to go <laughs> hunt them down and beat them. Uh Written and directed by uh, a gentleman named Rick Sloan and Mr. Sloan, shame on you. And starring virtually no one. And uh, it is a Gremlins ripoff in the worst caliber possible. The uh, the titular Hobgoblins are puppets. And not very good puppets at that. They're not the Jim Henson studio creations or whatever. No, no they're not. And they are locked up in a film vault and escape, and apparently they have the power to make anybody's fantasy come true. And Which they did poorly. It, yeah, and that fantasy turns around and uh, bites you on the ass yeah. and tries to kill you, essentially. Yeah. I, I disagree. I congratulate Rick Sloan for making this movie, being able to make this movie. To write something that bad and have it made and someone pay you to make it, God bless him. Now, the studio that made it, shame on them. Uh, I don't think a studio was involved in this in any capacity. I think this was... some sort of studio. Distributed by American Cinema Marketing. See? Yes, the, the infamous uh, studio from the 1950s or whatever. No, it had nothing to do with this. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I so love offending the card-carrying people. <laughs> Okay, the question I ask, first of all, is worse or better? Uh, Angels Fallen is the bar. It's better than Angels it's Fallen. It's better than Angels Fallen. Okay, Keith? I, you know, that's a tough one. Uh, it one, had a more cohesive story. Yes. It's, it was acted You know what I love? Better. Okay, so in the opening scene, and this explains a lot of the movie. In the opening scene, the guy walks up. And the kid takes his headphones off, and they're talking for a minute, and then the phone rings. And then he picks up, they both look at it like it's, what, oh my god, the phone is ringing. And then the old guy picks it up slowly, and you hear the dial tone. Well, they must have hung up. Well, then it couldn't have been too important, 
Well, didn't you hear the phone ringing? You guys talked for like a minute <laughs> when he had the headphones on. He'd have heard the phone ringing because he didn't have his headphones on anymore. It rang one time. <laughs> Why are you yelling at the kid? I wouldn't work there either. Seems like a pretty easy job. Just sit there with headphones on. No and one's I love coming up to the place. No one's leaving the place. No. And and how many people throw strobe light parties at their homes? In the eighties, it happened a lot. Or so I was told. You you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I ever got invited to a party? Yeah, I know. <laughs> there were three people dancing in the living room. And they had, yeah, they had the disco ball lights yes. going and stuff like that. And these were the bright lights that the uh, hobgoblins were attracted to. There's no other bright lights in your town. <laughs> Street lights aren't brighter. Straight, yeah. yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> Anybody who had a static light on in their living room at that point, Within it would have been brighter than a strobe light. Which was kind of useless because it didn't have a strobe effect for what they were doing. And then why weren't they drinking? <laughs> it's a lame party. Because it was three people in a lame party, yeah. dude. It's not a party. It's <laughs> three just people. weird people. Yeah, it's three, just three people weirdos. does not, does not a party make. You're saying this is not a party here? That's what you're saying. This is, it not, is a not a party. This is not a party. It is the opposite oh of God. a party. Yes. This is such a party. You, you guys aren't true geeks because this is about as close to the party as you get. Yeah. Yes. And coffee and no strobe light. I can flip the lights on and off for you. I, I don't. You'll make Brian's uh, brain break or whatever. Because the police aren't going to swing by for that one. It was. It was. Wow. You know what? I'm. I'm. I'm starting to backpedal a little. I'm gonna say. So this is a better storyline. It. It was a storyline. Yeah. So let's give it that. Uh, it Angels was. Angels Fallen had a storyline too. In in. Oh, God, in the loosest it's definition. Vague, it's a vague storyline, but... You know what? Both of these fell victim to the director. Well, the guy who wrote it directed it, so yeah, he's got no damn them, excuse. Probably. Yes. His vision was flawed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, well, I give well okay. credit for having this thing made. I mean, yes. Unless ACM I have, you're, is, you are really daring me is, to make a damn movie. ACM is, is hit. I think we should. I think that um, there was some there was some actual funny stuff that happened in this. The guy with the the sex line. Okay, I, the, yeah. the the point I was going to make is, of course, because this was the eighties and there was fantasy involved, that there are One, two nine, seven, six. sexy part parts of it that were the unsexiest things I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the guy calling the sex line and then having the sex line worker show up looking all slutty. It was like one of those like. Uh, Grandma, what are you wearing? Yeah, I just kept thinking that. <laughs> Grandma, what are you wearing? <laughs> Please, Grandma, you're 50 years old. Yeah. You shouldn't be wearing spandex pants but like that. that was his fantasy. That's why she showed up. No, around. you know what? It was, they used the actress. I thought that the whole sex line thing was funny. Yeah, because it was like this dowdy yes. older woman doing the, the whole yes. thing or whatever. But then when the dowdy older woman shows up as the... That shouldn't happen. Yeah. That was a well, bad that move. And then, of course, the, the the square chick's fantasy is to be the... A stripper. A stripper. Wow. And it's like, really? I did think that the, the whole interaction at the club with the slutty girl 
was oh. so funny that everybody knew. <laughs> everybody her. knew. Yeah, that was kind of. Yes. Oh hey, you know, oh hey, Sally. You know. And I thought the line when he said, "What color is the carpet?" It's the same color as the rug stains on my <laughs> knees. That made me laugh. So there was there was actual humor to this. Uh, the rolling around with the stuffed hobgoblin. <laughs> I thought was get least... in there, Bella. Slaps her out a little bit. It looked like you're killing him. Yeah. No, that looked more realistic. <laughs> Bella. <laughs> oh, that was fun. There was a lot to this movie that was fun. There was a lot to it that was st- stupid doesn't really cover it. <laughs> no, no. <I> don't <laughs> the think level stu- below stupid. Yeah, the level below stupid. It's a couple levels below Yeah. The, it was so low budget as to be these were friends of the directors. Yeah. Uh, they they blew the, the uh, they blew the special effects budget on lighting the guy on fire because they had to hire a legitimate stuntman. Yeah, and that would have cost. They really? <laughs> I would bet against that. Uh, so you think the safety come on, standards? Come Bob, throw him this dude. He's supposed to be fireproof. <laughs> You're gonna be a big star. The uh, they so they go of course at the end go to Club Scum, and there's this band. <laughs> oh God! And I guarantee you, if the three of us got another guy. And we were all in our 20s. We could perform this song. Yes. But would we? <laughs> no, no, we would not. Because no. we're all fans of music here. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, we would not. And yes. Uh, we would... Uh, no. I enjoyed the humor in it. I enjoyed the fact that... A, it got made... It falls into the category of, if you watch this, you will go, I can make a movie. <laughs> yes, yes it is. It's not as easy as we think. No, it definitely isn't. I thought the characters were, were fun. If not a little stereotypical. A little, yeah, they were way stereotypical, but I thought the way that they handled... For the fact that there was no nudity in this, I don't even want to say that, that the sexual and the double entendres were all that good. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't spicy. <laughs> no, no, yeah, they were yeah, not yeah, spicy. I, this they weren't a clever. They, they weren't at the the clever Playboy cartoon. Right. Level. You you could you could show this movie to a twelve year old and not really be worried and about not be yeah, worried having yeah. to explain something or something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. So it was kind of a family friendly little flick that could have been a whole lot worse. That if I was making it, <laughs> it would have been a whole lot worse. Would have been a whole lot worse. There was no clothes on. Yeah, it wasn't sexy. <laughs> no, it was not sexy. I thought that out of the two male, well, there were three male leads and two female leads. There was the stereotypical. I've been in a boot camp. Yeah, military recruit military guy who guy turns into Rambo at who, the end. Yeah, who was Italian? I'm sorry, but the second friend was obviously gay. Oh, yeah. There's no way that you could look at that character and not... He keeps calling the sex line, and he keeps talking about being into women, but no. <laughs> he was not. And you could see it. <laughs> and then the third guy, who's kind of likable. In a B, C movie yes. level. Okay. Yeah, he was kind of likable, and, and I thought that his girlfriend was just a bitch. <laughs> I really did, because she she uh, she's never satisfied. The guy gets out of boot camp, 
Yeah, he's going to be able to kick his ass with a rake. <laughs> and did you fight with many rakes when you were like in? Uh, you know what? Me and our, we would get together as friends and we would use garden implements. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? In in kung fu ways. <laughs> I, I just there was a lot to the movie that didn't make a lot of sense. I like the old guy, the old uh, <laughs> the old codger. The, the old only codger, that's yes. where they get this codger. Yeah, the old cod. Yes, thank you. That was good. And when they did this scene where he was younger, he looked younger. No, well, no, I, I think he was putting on the, the I'm barely able to walk yes. and my knees are bad and my bones are aching. Oh, yeah, and... that was acting. Uh, but they actually pulled that off. <clears throat> I did not like any of the scenes with the head of the studio. None of those made sense. It's an abandoned studio. Why do you come to work every day? <laughs> there you go. And stay late. Well, because they had a guard that got the hobgoblin. No, he... Had to, but the head of the studio, oh, okay, whose yeah, office yeah. he keeps going yeah. to, there was no reason for that man to exist. No, there really wasn't. No, there, he was basically the he was the manager at an all night public storage or whatever. Yes, he he, and he's always working late. What are you working on? Yeah, it's an abandoned studio. Yeah, they're, it's not like they're making movies or anything. Like yeah, that. exactly. There's no business going on here. But he didn't believe he had nothing the critters. to do with the critters. He didn't know about the critters. He did not believe it. You, you get hired for a job, you do the job. What kind of slackers are you guys? The but, kind that don't own a comic store. Yeah, I'm here all the time. I may not have any people in here sometimes. That doesn't mean I leave. So in that respect, did I enjoy it more than Fallen Angel? Yes. It was not as frustrating to me. And again, I blame that on the director, not the, the writer. I enjoyed this film more than that. All right, so this is a this is a so bad it's good movie. No, no, Hobgoblins. Opinions vary, but I think it's a movie so bad it's good. But that's a movie that people also watched. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! All right, so much like the American public, uh, and this movie apparently saved cinema. Had the biggest box office in uh, the pandemic era. We are talking, of course, about Godzilla vs. Kong bum, from, bum, bum, bum. from 2021, directed by Adam Wingard. Oh, we were supposed to watch the new one? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 2021? Written by Eric P- uh, Pearson and Max Bornstein, uh, starring a whole laundry list of people, including uh, Millie Bobby Brown, who was in the uh, last Godzilla movie. King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. Yeah. And um, boy, being a kaiju fan, this one was uh, this one was a throwback, man. I love this one. I really did. You know, it was interesting. My wife is a huge Godzilla fan. Okay. She really did not like this movie. Really? And I bet you because well, I would be curious to know why. But the one thing is, is this was more of a Kong movie. Mm-hmm. This was not a Godzilla movie. And I make the argument just the opposite. This had all the tropes of a classic 60s Godzilla movie in all the cheesy, cheesy best. What I will tell you is that uh, Godzilla kicked Kong's ass three times to where Kong should have died. Actually, technically Kong was dying and they gave him the old uh, defibrillator. Oh. Which is fucking cool because he was laying there and I was thinking to myself, oh my god, they can't give him a nuclear burst like they did Kong. Or Godzilla. And they figured out a way to do it. I thought it was cool. All right. So, um, 
the the apparently the le- and I, this might be in the director's cut or whatever, but all the monsters at the end of King of the Monsters that they said like apparently they've all been defeated or whatever. Yeah, uh, Kong is still on Skull Island, except Skull Island has become a you know a Titan habitat or whatever, which was the opening scene was freaking awesome with him yeah. throwing it at the dome, uh, throwing the tree at the dome like a spear or whatever. But they basically said. They use some quiet, some science with a capital S to explain why we need to get Kong off the island and go to Inner Earth or whatever, which Hollow Earth, Hollow, Hollow Earth. Earth, which uh, again, if you're a fan of the old '60s Godzilla movies, all of the bad guy races were either aliens or they were from the center of the Earth. So that's my first bullet point of this was a throwback. So they get Kong off the island, and uh, they are taking him to Antarctica to enter. Inner Earth or whatever, but that's where the entrance is, of course. Of course. Well, there were a number of different entrances. I know. <laughs> but uh, that None brings up the first. Uh, but that brings to the first battle on the aircraft carrier between Godzilla, which and was, um, in my opinion, the best battle of the movie. I thought that was the best battle of the yes, movie. That was yes. one of the best monster fights ever, ever, ever. ever. Yes, and unlike the King. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, that you could actually see what was happening. Yes. My argument with the last two Godzilla movies was there was there was people talking while monsters were fighting. Yes. Which drove me nuts. Like, yes. this this Adam Wingard guy, he got it. He got... We're coming to see Godzilla fight King Kong. We're not coming to see Millie Bobby Brown or whoever else is in the... You know, whatever. I was watching a review of it, and they were reading a review uh, that was a... Uh, Smackdown against the film. And one of their big points was that all this is is Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> that's all all you see is those two fighting through and the whole thing. And the really guy was well, like, yeah. it's called Kong versus Godzilla for a fucking reason. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we came to see. I don't give a shit about anything else. And we got that. Indeed we did. Uh, so we get to uh, Antarctica. They have the like zero G... Flying helicopter things, which again is like the lightning cannons in the old Godzilla movies where it's like, okay, we're talking about anti-gravity and all this other crazy shit, so yeah, let's go with it, yeah. whatever. Um, what was the reversal of gravity? Yeah, the gravity reversal. Because which it's reverse when you go to the center. Yeah. And that, that would kill you, the forces and the stresses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, so there's the great, you know, kind of traveling at the speed of gravity or however they called it or whatever and they they get to the center of the earth and there's a gigantic throne and the axe oh. made out of a one of Godzilla's or a Godzilla like monsters like back spine or whatever and uh and the charging station for it yeah <laughs> if you could just see the contemptuous look that Keith just gave like really you know what that was one of the coolest scenes in the movie when Kong became King Kong yeah, he sits down. Oh. Kind of uh, the end of Conan the Barbarian. Yes, but so the uh, the monster shop. I was the only disappointment was the monster shop was not in Tokyo. It was in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is a great looking city though. But that was so that was a great uh, backdrop for this this Titanic fight. That was one of the parts that, that uh, my wife did not like. That it wasn't Tokyo. No, uh, that it looked like a video game. And I'm like, well, that's how the buildings look in Hong Kong. Yeah, they, they really just do. like, okay, yeah, because you've been to Hong Kong a fucking lot, Brian. I've known you a lot of years. You've never been to Hong Kong. I saw the, the Anthony Bourdain on Hong Kong, and it yeah, looks like that. That's what it looks like. Well, how do you know? 
Because they ain't going to make shit up. Google Earth. <laughs> they just ain't going to make shit up. That's what it looks like. It's all fucking neon with anime people. Anyways, so, uh, <laughs> of course, the uh, Apex Corporation, the evil corporation, oh, yeah. uh, has their take on, and I thought it was really cool, the uh, the, the skull of what Ghidorah's sc- yeah. skulls was a living computer to control Mechagodzilla. That was fucking Mechagodzilla's cool. weaponry was right out of the 60s. Everything yes. had like the rocket punch and the missiles and stuff like that. It was just, that was a great throwback. The kids breaking into high-end installations, and thank God none of them were wearing 60s short shorts or whatever, but... That was an old-school Godzilla trope, which I thought was great. And then the final battle between Godzilla and Kong, and then eventually Godzilla, Kong, and Mechagodzilla, some of the greatest monster stomps out there. I, I will say that Pacific Rim had maybe a couple of better ones, and the last Godzilla movie, Tokyo SOS, was, was my absolute favorite. But fucking fantastic kaiju shit. Yeah. Oh, the, the fight scenes the, the, were fantastic. It was... The only problem I had was the, the plot things. You know yeah, what? The story <laughs> yeah. was pretty uh, atrocious. You guys always say, what are the convenience? Plot yeah. convenience. Yeah. Plot convenience. That's all that this is. The tech was great. The, 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 when they were in, where was it? It was wherever, California or whatever. And then they used that, that quick hyper underneath. And the, it was almost like Wakanda with the, yeah. where the, the train where they were transferring yeah. the, yes. the egg pods uh, with the, the skull lizards, death skulls, and it's just flying at like 700 miles an hour underneath and it gets to to Hong Kong like that. Elon I, Musk made that. Yes. Sure. And um, the tech was great. But then, you know, at the end there, when they need to try and shut down Mechagodzilla and it comes down to literally... Pouring <laughs> on the computer, you're just kind of like, oh, really? That... I didn't get the whole reason you had the uh, Gehedra, the Ghidorah, or whatever. Oh, I explained it. The head. I, but why? You can use the remote controls. We have drones and shit. You don't need to have... How do you keep this brain of this monster alive, first of all? And you got to put one in the other it's... thing. You got to keep it alive and so they can communicate. You, we have remote controls nowadays. Just to let you know, we don't need to have because big monsters. Because the brain head. is a faster processing Not... unit. Yes, sure. It and is. it's telepathic, damn it. And uh, so okay. you, you're on, you're on a literally like drive-by, like cybernetic drive-by wire. And how do they keep the brain alive? It wasn't yeah, even the it. brain wasn't even part of it. It was the well, skull, no. and it was like the, it was written into the genetic code of the skull of to be telepathic. It was a tuning fork. Okay, got it. No, you know what? Stupid. There are Keith, more you ruined everything. It was a cool scene. It was a cool scene to see a guy sitting inside a skull controlling things. But it was, it made no there sense. There are more things under heaven and earth than are held for in your philosophies. Thank you, Brian. Ruiner of all things. Yes, the the, the skull was a tuning fork, a a living Wi-Fi mechanism that you could in case blast. That modem never went down. I get it. Yes, no, it's not I, I, like I, I fucking just, Comcast. It, it was just a cool looking thing, but it just didn't make any, make any sense. It'd be different. If okay, my okay. I will argue the point is just like most kung fu movies, just like most action movies, with a few exceptions, you don't go for the fucking story in between the action scenes. You go for the action then scenes. Then why have the story in there? Because why you not need just have them? Mecha Godzilla comes out. Does it have to explain how it's controlled? 
Yes. If yes. you don't need it, if it's not essential to the plot, then why do you need to have it anyway? Because you needed to know that an evil man was controlling. Well, yes, you can have Apex be when it comes out of Apex building, so it's comes obviously theirs. But you had to know who the evil man was. And but you did see you have the way his eyes evilly? And he drank scotch all the time, yeah. out of a tumbler. He did all yeah. every scene. Yeah. I'm surprised he still had a liver. He should have been part of the giant monster thing. Either I wasn't paying attention or I didn't quite get, but all of a sudden, Mecha Godzilla, they don't need the dude because the dude in the skull gets uh, fried. Yeah. And he basically goes out and he's now independent and he's just a, a beast of a machine. Well, what is And there the is no control. There is no control because now. Like whatever was right, going on, Ge- Ghidorah was the the other ultra level pre- predator, Titan predator, or whatever, and so he's thrown into the mix with these other top tier apex predators or whatever with Kong and Godzilla. So that when he takes over Mecha Godzilla, he's like part of that instinctual. Well, let's thing. keep in mind that Ghidorah wasn't a Titan. Ghidorah was an alien. I like. Uh, yeah, but see, that's right. Space. He was. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was. So Keep it's different. That's why. That's, that's why it's telekinesis. That is why, as a tuning fork, it worked. <laughs> Had it been a Titan skull, it would not have worked. Oh, okay. Thanks. But it, Do- was, it was extraterrestrial. Thank you, Dr. Brian. So it had extra powers. God. It's Don't so simple, Keith. Along? Come on. Oh, haven't you ever been abducted by aliens? Not yet. I keep on. I I keep on. That flying, would explain so denied. much about you. My God. <laughs> uh, you know what? This was just a kaiju. Uh... Oh, it's fun. It was, it was great yeah. fun. The fight scenes were awesome. Kong taking him down with his his lightsaber reacts yeah. of death. Oh no! With God, when Godzilla heats up the axe with the yeah. bro- oh. Dude, I was geeking so freaking bad on that. When did when did Godzilla be able to shoot his breath all the time, like constant blows? Didn't he have to recharge? Not now. Not he's now. been retconned. Oh, okay. okay, he's retconned. Okay. He's been retconned. Okay. He now has a, a big a bigger battery. Okay. As battery technology improves, yes. yeah, Elon Musk had something it's to do with it. Yeah, he, uh, he Elon Musk designed the, uh, the the. I saw the energized burner writing on him. <laughs> yeah, it's in Musk. <laughs> he designed the spines. Uh, what my wife also hated was that they um, they retconned Godzilla's origin and then made it a Kong versus Godzilla ancient battle. They're all yeah, they've been fighting. And, well, yeah. they said their ancestors have been fighting right back but, in the day but or whatever. Because Godzilla was created by the nuclear fallout, uh, and the first Godzilla movie is really uh, a redo of the original one. Pretty. No, the the first, the original Godzilla movie is about the evils and the dangers. No, it's, a, it's of an allegory for the atomic yeah, uh, yeah, bombing of, yeah. of Japan. Yes, yeah. and so uh, by retconning it, you take that away. It's a good point. And that was one of the cooler points of Godzilla. Well, it's been the cool point of Godzilla as a character as a whole. I mean, it started out being this a legitimate horror, you know, a legitimate yeah. horror film, and an, again, an allegory for. The horrible things that happened in Japan, but dude, in the mid '60s, Godzilla was also dancing, was also go-go dancing. Yes. So it it <laughs> it could only stay noble for so long, you know. I uh, I'm not as hung up for whatever reason on the Godzilla canon. I uh, I don't care that they retconned and put them together because uh, I think it works and it's cool. Uh, lizards and gorillas always fight. 
And the CGI was top Amazing. notch. I mean, Godzilla looked. I liked what they did with Kong. I thought it was kind of cool with uh, the sign you know, language and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I thought it was a neat like. Oh man, they weren't expecting that. That was that was kind of cool. But the fight scenes were were stellar. I mean, that, it was great. And oh, the no. creatures in uh, Hollow Earth were cool. When he ate the one's brain. Oh, just sucked it out of the bag. Oh my God, that was cool. Like I said I liked the fact that it wasn't like the King of Monsters where everything had to be in rain or in dark, and they, you actually see the monsters fight for the first time. I I, I, I like that aspect of it. And Kong's was that to me? No. Oh, Kong's like my favorite. Uh, my favorite of the movies, actually. All right, so. What was the uh, what was the star rating on Godzilla vs. Kong here, boys? Uh, I'm going to give it, uh, you know what, a solid uh, three and a half. Okay. Three. I, I'd go three. It's not go three and a half. You know what the hell with it. This is one of the better kaiju films of recent memory. I'm going to go four stars. Let us know what you think. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, so we took a spring break uh, weekend. And uh, got two weeks to digest uh, episodes three and four of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And those are the episodes Power Broker and the Whole World is Watching. So things uh, start developing with the Flag Smashers. They figure out that they got the Super Soldier Serum. Zemo is the only one that might know where they got that from. So they... Well, he's got the Hydra connection. He's got so the Hydra had, connection. They a lot of lore to him. Yeah. Just in, in, in the Power Broker episode yeah. alone. Yeah, and then uh, the... Uh, so they get him out of prison. Which was a brilliant scene. Outstanding. Like the way that they filmed that was so good. With the Yeah, like, well, okay, just work it's with me on this. It's a little easy to get out you know, of prison, might, though. Yeah. It's just a little too easy to get out. I mean, let's be honest. It's, not it's Zemo, damn it. Oh no! It wasn't because he could have got out any time then. So it was it was actually Bucky. Damn it! Oh, no, yeah. Bucky. Bucky put things. He's the guy who put things. Okay, in Okay, so Zemo couldn't get out by himself. Is what I'm saying. So Zemo's not Zemo's not that genius. Damn your eyes! <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, the um, they we bring in they brought in Sharon Carter. Yes. Well, well you find out that I I love. Who here thinks she's power broker? Oh, I am having a very hard time. I don't want to believe it. That that's uh, that's what I was seeing. From but that I've been thinking it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have definitely been thinking it. She's been cut off from everything, betrayed by everybody. She got nothing to do but go bad. Do you really think they they like a stalwart hero that they've had in continuity for? That she's not probably going to be in any other movies from on because she was only there because of Steve Rogers. Good point. So, and she's been betrayed, and she's living this high life where she get all that money from. It it just seems like it it, it fits. And she was in the spot when when the one girl I, I can't Selby got shot. She was there. And she has a lot of firepower yeah, on her yeah, side. Yeah. I understand that she collects and sells you know rare paintings yeah, yeah, and antiquities yeah. but she had but like in, a, you, you in this yeah. last episode when she's talking to him and sam is asking for that favor for some satellite yeah, time yeah, she's she's not she's got down. some heavy yeah heavy, that was for you, you, 
Yeah, for being an art, an art, a, a, you know, an art Next broker or whatever. Art she's, broker, yeah. yeah, she's got a, she's got a lot of juice. It's really when she the does. car pulled up with the girl in it and she got in. I'm like, oh, she's power broker. It, it all makes sense. And now. she said, we have, a, we have, we, we, we have, have a problem. problem. We actually have two. two. Yes. And you can interpret that a lot of ways. I, I don't want to, but it, it, it that that's the read I got off of that episode. That was the read that, that I got as well. See, me and Rich have never been wrong, so. Unlike other people, he's always right, Rich. You're so Brian. You had mentioned that you were kind of muddling through this for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. Has have you, have you got a moment? Have you gotten your moment where you got hooked? No, you haven't gotten it yet. Really? No. You know what? I, the only reason I'm watching it is for the podcast. Okay. That's the only reason I'll finish it. Otherwise, I would not have. I wouldn't watch the next two episodes. Really? Seriously? At all. Really? At all? You know what? It's it's it's. I'm still it's watching two o'clock in the morning. To me. Really? Wholly disappointing. How, how so? <clears throat> because there's some things about it that are so cool. And then there are other parts of it that I'm just... Like you mentioned, uh, Sharon Carter is the power broker. To be real honest with you, I didn't give a shit. I, I don't care who the power broker is. Wow. I, I don't care about the Flag Smashers. I have no... Now, to your point, I am really, really getting sick of these... Noble supervillains. Yeah, I, and I understand. Movie. They're sympathetic. They're, they're... Which one are you talking about? I'm talking. About, well, I'm talking about all of them in, in in Marvel. Thanos in, was sympathetic. I mean, like literally every supervillain in, in in the MCU is there's the Red Skull, with the exception of the Red Skull, and maybe Pierce. Yeah, maybe Pierce, Pierce didn't have a reason other than being a douche. But it seems like every supervillain. Has a reason for what they're doing. Yeah. And Keith, you kind of goofed around, and oh, uh, every villain's a hero on their own mind and stuff like that. Yeah. Every every supervillain in the MCU has a reason. The Flag Smashers, Carly Morgenthau, obviously they are they're going for the sympathetic villain in this and stuff like that. They, I think they are trying to put a little bit of an edge on her where she blew up the building. And this is the only language that these people understand, and stuff like that. And then she's threatening, and in the Thor, the fourth uh, episode, she's threat, kind of threatening Sam by saying, "Oh, I talked to your sister, and your, I know your nephew's names." And she was trying to do that, that ominous, like I, I know everything. And it's, it's just, it's getting really old. I, um, I actually liked that, um, the thought behind that, that I'm calling you. I don't want to hurt you. I just need him to know how serious I am. I, I liked that. Okay. Uh, I, I liked was... the, the concept of it. Well, I liked I liked the whole uh, you're the terrorist uh, or revolutionary depending, depending on, on what side stuff. you're yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I uh, Sebastian Stan is fucking awesome as the Winter Soldier. Yeah, so the chemistry between those two is great. It's, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. I really enjoy uh, Anthony Mackie. I enjoy Sebastian Stan. Is just the standout. Him as the Winter Soldier when he when he goes into Winter Soldier mode. Oh. like when they're in the bar in Majapur and yeah. he's, he's yeah. pretending to be the old school Winter yes. Soldier and he's just wailing on guys. I like the fact that it gave him more depth even to Sam again. Yes, I mean, and when he's talking to Carly and he's he's. Actually talking to her and reasoning with her and, and getting somewhere until John Walker yeah. does John Walker's thing. Uh, so, I don't care about John Walker at all in uh, the least. I, I didn't. It didn't strike me when the, the guy comic. died. I didn't care. There's just so much about the series that I don't give a fuck about. That I mean, I literally don't give a fuck while I'm watching it. I don't care. 
I don't wow. care if the Flag Smashers win. I don't care about the Flag Smashers. I don't care about their. You talk about a sympathetic. I, I don't. I don't have any. Oh, their cause. I give a shit. You sound like a whiny bunch of fucking millennials to me. That's what you sound like. You're just pissing and moaning. I don't. I don't fucking care. I want to see the Winter Soldier and the Falcon fight people. That's been done well. Yeah, the, the Zemo <laughs> has been done so well. All right, so they only did it for a second. There really wasn't a reason for it, but Daniel Bruhl has been walking around with the, the purple. And I was trying to figure out how they could possibly do Zemo's costume. He's walking around with a purple trench coat with the, the white leopard print collar. I was like, okay, that's brilliant. And then he puts on the fucking mask. And he and doesn't I, look like a pimp. <laughs> I literally, I was, I was, the, yeah. I was a little fangirl. And then they made him badass and when he, he takes on those guys. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Well, in, in, in Civil War, you know he has extensive military training. Yeah. So when he was able to they do that, it. it was great. Yeah. The big reveal was, by the way, I'm, I'm rich. really rich. Yeah. And I've got a lot of resources. The question I have for you, you brought up the fact that you, you're tired of the, the sympathetic villain. So are you wanting more... To, to bring in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, you want more the Joker, who's just going to watch, you know, they're, they're, he's going to set things on fire just to watch the fire, okay. to watch things burn. Because when I listen to Zemo, I, I think the interaction and the chemistry between Bucky and Sam is so good. I don't think that it was affected at all. I thought it was great with the three of them. Yeah. Oh no, and that's yeah. the three there was a whole of bunch them. of memes going around like Facebook and stuff like, "Hey, I trust Baron Zemo more than I trust John Walker," type of a thing or whatever. Um, no, I, I and I thought that Brule really captured that whole trying to get into the, like their heads, his takes on things. Yeah, and they they the thing that the the series allows is the interaction on the plane where he starts to talk about the problems and where he's coming from. And how he, his take and why his mission is unaffected by them getting yeah, him out. Getting like him out. I, I, it, I'm going to end the super soldiers. Well, no, and that's that was the point that I was going to bring up is the fact that, with the exception of Steve Rogers, in with this power in normal people's hands, you're going to get. Uh, what were they calling them? Like total, not totalitarians, but you were going to get. Um, Flag smashers, just say that. Well, flag, there was a, I forget the term or whatever, but it's essentially ultimate power corrupts ultimately type of a thing. Sure. But, and I thought that his take on that was really cool. Um, And then him trying to like, you know, oh, so have you completely thrown off the uh, Winter Soldier programming? You know, we could, we could test, you know, like that whole exchange and stuff like that I thought was great. Daniel Brule is wonderful as Zemo, like, always seems like he's like a a step ahead of everybody and stuff like that. Like the, um, in the fourth episode where the Dora Milaje break in whole, well, first of all, when she showed up at the end, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. That was such an awesome callback and stuff like that. And then the whole fight between the Dora Milaje and, you know, the Winter Soldier and Falcon and and, uh, John Walker and stuff like that was fucking awesome. And when she takes off his arm and it falls off and he's just like, and they're not going, I mean, they could easily, at that point, they could easily have killed him. Um, One, I love that actress as, I, I thought she was the most badass Dora Milaje. Yeah. And I thought she was, 
I, I agree that she's not the leader, but she was far more intimidating than any other Dora Milaje. Yeah. She is outstanding. And what I really liked about the two episodes is Sam, he eventually has to, and I think maybe we'll see it in the next two episodes, he's got to ascend to become Captain America. Whereas Bucky in these two episodes, man, they really started to dig in. And that one scene where you see her say Did, yeah. the words and how he handled it and then his the joy of the tears of joy when he realized i'm free yeah i i'm hoping bucky ends up with shield i don't i don't think sam needs a shield i said this from the beginning doesn't make sense for him to have a shield he's got a shield built in his wings how do you carry the shield and fly it doesn't make any sense it makes more sense to go into the bucky cap and and in in all the episodes bucky has been far more the, the way they've done the dialogue, far more open into just what the yeah, shield yeah. means yeah, to him, exactly. to everybody. Because if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Yeah. That was a good yeah, was scene. A that was a great scene. scene. But outside of that, it's been preachy. It's been heavy-handed. Uh, and I don't care. I mean, I there's so much about it that I don't care about. That I just watch to watch. Like I said, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't watch the next two episodes if it wasn't for the podcast. Okay, okay, fair enough. It doesn't. It I'm so the means nothing to me. If this yeah. went on twenty episodes, I'd watch all twenty episodes. Do you think that they've spent enough time uh, on John Walker? Do they think they've given him enough screen time? Yes, yeah. because I, in the second episode, I thought it was a little. He was a little naive to think that Sam. And Bucky would accept would him. accept him so yeah. fast. And then in the third episode, he's not in it a whole lot. No, it's no. just you have a scene and he's clearly frustrated. You know that he's run into a lot of roadblocks. And then this one, he just seems like he is right from the get-go dark. And when he gets his hand on the serum, we all know he's going to take it. Yeah. But when he has that interaction with Battlestar and he doesn't hesitate, hell yeah, I'd take it. And they start to get back into the, you know, some of the things that we did to get, like, some of the things I had to do to get my Medal of Honors wasn't very heroic. And then he takes it, and it's going to, and they say that, it's going to, but it just seems like, have they given him enough screen time in the last three episodes to to make you believe that he's transcended to that? I don't think the show's long enough to do that. I okay. actually so think not enough time to I actually think that he he came into this is he started off with this aw, you know this aw shucks I'm just happy to be here and I'm doing the best I can to live up to this, you know you know Steve Rogers legacy and stuff like that but there's an underlying arrogance like yes I deserve this I think I think there's underlying uh where no one's giving respect he expects to get. And that's the other... And, and, and that's turning him sour, because he's supposed to be the replacement of Captain America, but no one's treating him like Captain America. Exactly. Because he's not and, and especially, and, and uh, we had mentioned that previously, is I think that's the whole him looking for the acknowledgement from Sam and Bucky, is yeah. I can be I can be Steve Rogers. And they're going, no, 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 no. And, that, and, and the, the taking of the of the super soldier serum is literally the final step is like, well, this will make me, yeah, this will yeah. make now me on a par me. with yeah. Steve Rogers. Now they'll respect me. Right. That's where I think that that's all coming from. The other thing that I think of is 
I don't think that there's a villain. You say, I'm tired of the sympathetic villain. I, I don't know that there's a villain. You have the Flag Smashers. You have Zemo. You have John or Walker. You have the Power Broker. I don't know. There's not Thanos. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the, and it's just throwing a different perspective into it. Because I, the big thing is the blip. How was the world affected by it? Then they had the global re whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, committee, repatriation yeah. committee. They seem like... They're the villain because now everybody came back and now, and now getting put in camps and right. we lost our house and they're not doing anything about it. And yeah, no, no, I, I completely. And they clearly are not doing anything about it. They're not getting supplies. They're not bringing teachers in. They're not, it, it's, and it's worldwide. Yeah. So I, I don't know that there's a villain. I don't know who the villain I, is. And, and. Perhaps coming coming at at this series, and maybe Brian, this is maybe something that disappoints you as well. Coming at this in a black and white comic book, these are the bad guys. This is the good guy. Everything everything's like this now, where everything is a shade of gray. Not you know, not every bet you know they've you know Breaking Bad or the Shield or whatever, where it's like yeah, there's these there's these guys who do bad things, but there's good things about them. Um. And I think that, if anything, I think the power broker is the only pure villain in this because it's literally a crime. They, they literally say, well, it's the crime lord of Madripoor or whatever. That's the only pure bad guy in this. I think Zemo and the Flag Smashers and John Walker, uh, again, to Keith's point, they're all the heroes in their own story. Whereas, and, and or the, you're the terrorist, no, I'm a revolutionary, yeah, depending yeah, on the yeah, side yeah. or whatever. I think this is one of those series that has... A lots of shades of gray, and I think with all the people that you just mentioned are technically the the bad guy. And I'm using air quotes here. The bad guys in this. Sure. The only the only pure heroes are Bucky and Sam. I guess another comment I wanted to make about it was the difference between the two episodes, just from a soundtrack standpoint. Like three, it just seemed like it had a different kind of tone to me. But in the fourth one, though. The sound, the the music they did for it, very purposeful, and it was it was building up, and it was building up for the till the end, where Walker did what and he did. I liked it. I, I, talk, I thought and, it, and yeah, no, I the score was definitely a part of it, but yeah, that image of the blood spattered shield of Captain America, and that's where he loses the shield, and that's how Sam gets it back. And I agree that. Um, because there's no way he could be Captain America now. I loved that everybody had a cell phone out. The funny yeah. part is Captain America has never killed. Nope. No, he has. I know, he has. In the war. In, in the war. Captain killed America. a bunch of people. Oh, yeah, he was a fucking killer. He was a Stone Cold killer. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Pop, pop. <clears throat> he but was a bitch he, killer. He, 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 was, he gained his claim from killing. During wartime. During wartime, yeah, true. Well, this is sort of a war. So yeah, he's just a killer. But and doesn't his flag smashers are you know and well and that good and then again to illustrate the differences between World War Two and the current even military climate it is 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 the military is more of a they call it a police action now or whatever where it's we're fighting terrorists as opposed to we are fighting the bad guys in World War Two you know you know what they what they've done with the series is they've muddied it up with so many. Um, social issues. Yeah. Okay. Good point. That and and everything 
is just a metaphor for some issue that's going on now. And and they tried to do it with too many. Uh, is the world a fucked up place? Yes. Yeah, of course it is. Um, is it... Uh, is it fucked up in the way that I think that that they're portraying it? No, I don't, and and I, um, and that's disappointing to me. Uh, wow, I wish your car could grow three sizes because I, I this whole thing, I didn't pick up on any of that stuff watching this. Oh well, neither and did that's your funny. brother. Your brother's not know here. It's like uh, it doesn't. I'm not trying to read real world things into my my. No, my but they stuff. put real world things in, Which, and so you don't have to see it. Okay. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that it's A, not there, B, not heavy-handed, and not done well. Because there are some things that have been done well in it. But C, it takes away from, I don't care about the Flag Smashers. I don't care about John Walker. I don't care about the Power Broker. I don't care about, I don't care about those things. They haven't done anything to make me give a shit. I love Falcon. I love Winter Soldier. Uh, I would be disappointed if Sharon Carter was the uh, power broker only because I like Sharon Carter. I do too. I don't want I, to believe it. I, I, I do too, but I think that's going to be the twist at the end. I, and I, I'm, you know, thank you. I have, I have purposefully stayed away from, here's the funny thing. No, here's, and here's what, what I think is funny and telling is that I've purposefully stayed away from anything that would give any hype to it because I didn't Me want too. to get trapped in the hype thing. But I'm also going to say that there isn't a whole lot about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, because it's pretty, There's po- not it's a whole pretty lot. straightforward as opposed to... Well, except which... that, you know what? You guys brought it up. Today was the first day when you, when you said that was the first time I ever thought, oh, the power broker. They're going to... I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care. But, oh, that's a thing. There's been no hype. With WandaVision, there was so much hype about every little thing that was going on. There isn't who is the power broker. There hasn't I haven't seen a who is the power broker video. I'm not even looking for it. I, I'm doing the no, same no. thing. I'm never I, I'm looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but, but Brian is the guy who does look for the yes. things. But he's not right, and I did that with WandaVision. No, no. I still get those in my feed. So I read titles. I haven't looked for Easter eggs. I haven't looked for but there isn't anything that that indicates there isn't a whole lot of chatter about this series and what little chatter there is um isn't great i'm on the other end of the spectrum i'll probably watch this series i've already watched the four episodes a couple times I will rewatch this whole series when it's done. Like Unlike I, WandaVision, which I will probably will not. Well, and I don't know that I actually said what I was disappointed in, and that is that there's so much about it that I don't care about. And then there are things that are so deeply cool that I just want to see those parts. You know what I mean? The interaction between um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, those two characters, uh, it's done so well. So well. The, the two characters individually are done so well. Zemo was done so well. It was the first time that really I, I Zemo in the comics has always been kind of a joke to me. Really? Yeah, the purple mask guy who really 
They're yeah. second string Red Skull. There you go. Fans yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh look, he's another he's the third tier Nazi guy. You know what I mean? That's yeah. who Zemo's always been. The only time he became relatively cool was the Thunderbolts. Yeah. This has made him, and then the Avengers cartoon, we've been watching that, yeah. and he's been cool in that, but still but he's, he's... still been Loki's lap There you go, dog. he's been a lapdog. In this, oh yeah, he's brilliant, and he's competent, well, and he's, the... oh my fucking god. Except that, oh, and here's the other thing, it's been really predictable. It, it's been It's been truly predictable in that, you know who's getting away... And you know who's you knew you knew when they broke Zemo out he was going to escape. I thought the the way he escaped was so unfucking believably stupid. Well, that you know, yeah. it's the typical start a prison fight and steal and a, slip away in the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. And really, no, you've got these these the 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 Dodge Mahari who's gonna fucking they would have had their eye on him the entire. He is the prize. He is the goal. Everything yeah. else around them is just distraction that they don't even need to really focus on. Because they are so good at what the they do. Problem I've had is is Bucky and Sam haven't really been wary of this guy. No, you know we're riding yeah. his jets and 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 yeah, let's let him go through all his cars. Wait, you're not watching what he's taking? Are you serious? Are you fucking kidding me? He's going through all these. I have these are all my cars, and I'm gonna just go through them, rummage through. And he's oh, talking to the children. Yeah. And what's he doing? What's he doing? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's see. Well, look at let's, him let's wait and see what he's doing. He's an evil genius. He gives him candy. That always ends well. <laughs> I love the evil genius thing. Let's, yeah, so yeah. It's always he, fun. He almost got us all killed. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, so I have not, that's the part I haven't liked is that they have no, but I not think, cautious around him at all. But I think that they do, and I think they also realize that that's the difference between what John Walker and Battlestar and they are. But they are not going to get anywhere without him i understand they need him but, but i saw so, you, so you I, put I, a guy on a tight leash you don't let him go but i mean what when you say tight leash i mean he bucky is literally watching him and he's he's getting information he and he keeps doing it so at some point either you're going to have him in handcuffs and you're going to be watched like you're not going to let him do anything or you are going to let him do stuff and yeah, but to what extent you let you like you said he's gotten away from them a couple times now three times actually He's gotten away from them three times now. He got away from them when they were first being shot at after Selby died. Yes. And then he got away from them when they were in the container. Yes. And he's he, needed them. Yeah. Well, he needs them oh, right now to stop it. It's a so Now he's got all the serums. All he's got left is Flag Smashes. And now John Walker. So he needed to find the serums, so that's why he was using them. Yeah. Now he doesn't need them as much. Right. The Flag Smashers are pretty evident what they're doing. He doesn't need them at all. No, now, now he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't need them at all. And, Except uh, maybe to fight the Flag Smashers, because... No, because they're going to fight him anyway. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, they, he doesn't... But, he but, smashed but the serum. The, like I said, the fact that you let him go rummaging through these cars with guns, and, and you got to explain what the purple mask was for, but okay. It's for the purple mask, damn it, for the sake of the purple mask. <laughs> he used to wear that during mask. Halloween. That's all. No, they no. He, they had no reason to put it on it. Normally put it, it on. But I still don't, it was. Don't get me wrong. Great. I saw that and I, I squealed a little bit. But it just I'm like, you know, you had backgrounds where he was in the military and they gave a little background on that you should have had at one point where he was in that mask. Yeah, like as a in a commando yeah, capacity yeah, exactly, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting because when I look at it, I like the fact that they're addressing and they kind of did it a little bit in Wandavision, but they 
not really. In this one, they are. What happened with the blip? Yes. So I, they I, have like, two choices. They have two choices where they could just move on from it and not address it at all. And then Bucky and and Sam could come up with a mission and then just move forward. But in this particular case, their mission, the blip and the flag the smasher, the, yeah. it, it ties into it. And But the other thing to not be naive is there was a scientist who was able to isolate the compounds. There's probably 10 more scientists, and yeah. that's, that's an underestimate, who the power broker is going to be able to go to that's going to be able to it redo all, his all work. It's much, always going to happen. Yeah, it depends on how much of Isaiah's blood they have. Right. That's, that's the only thing it's going to be limited to. All right, well, Brian, you're slogging through this. Yeah. Yeah. Rich, I love it. You, you love it? Love it. Still loving it, Keith? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm still loving it, too. Hopefully, they'll get, we'll get one more scene with Zemo in the mask. Oh, I'm sure you will. Oh, you're going to get it, yeah. Yeah. I it's going to get stuck to his face. Episode. Something's going to stick it to his face. It has to stick to his face. Uh, adhesive X. I don't think it's going to be Adhesive X. Anyways, that is our opinion of Winter Sol- Falcon Winter Soldier, episodes three and four. Let us know what you think. Maybe they bring in Pace Pop Pete. You gonna kill me now, Snake? I'm too tired. Maybe later. I've got another deal for you. I want you to think it over while you're resting. I want to give you a job. We'd make one hell of a team, Snake. The name's Pliskin. 